So this last week, we addressed the blessing of singleness in our Equip series, and we approached the topic by breaking it down into three major parts. We talked about a cultural view of singleness, then we talked about a biblical understanding of singleness, and then we discussed a wise approach to singleness. And it was within that middle section, that biblical understanding of singleness, that of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, that we found three major truths that impact the life of those who are single. The first of those is singleness as well as marriage are both gifts from God. Then we talked about the fact that marriage is not required for all and that singleness may be God's will for some. And the third truth is that singleness and marriage both have certain advantages. So our key truth in this last week was singleness is not a curse to break, a time to indulge, or a period to endure. Instead, singleness is a blessing to enjoy and an opportunity to devote oneself more fully to the Lord. Now, each part of that statement was addressed within the message itself, but that statement is foundational for the truths that we're about to get into this morning. Last week, my prayer was that God would give people the perspective that being single is not the same as being second best, that you are complete in Christ, Colossians chapter 2, verse 10, that a person is not deficient, they are not incomplete, they are not diminished in their worth or value before God because they are single. There are some people that God has called to be single and celibate, and within that calling, they can be 100% satisfied and joyful in their status as well as in their position in Christ, and that is absolutely wonderful. But there's also people who are single that do not sense that they have the gift of singleness. In fact, they desire, they really want to get married. They want to find that right person. They want to start a family. They want to begin building memories and a life together with somebody else. And that is also wonderful as well. But it's that person that I want to specifically address today. For the person who is currently single, and yet they desire to be married, the question now becomes, what are you looking for? in a future spouse? Is it just about finding somebody that you consider to be attractive, that has maybe a great personality, somebody that you kind of mesh with, they're on the same path in life? Is that all that it is about? Or is there something more? Is there something deeper behind this? If you're a believer, is it just about finding somebody else who says, yes, I'm a Christian as well? Or what more do you want to add to this? Now, a lot of people know exactly what they're looking for in a future spouse. And the reason I say that is because they have a list. And they started that list when they were like 10 years old. And that list is detailed. They, they have details all the way down to eye color and height, age parameters, career path, Bible translation preference, this personality profile. I mean, you name it, they've got it on the list. And if you want to see their list, they can print it up off of the Excel spreadsheet that they put it in complete with colored tabs and, you know, interchangeable variables. I mean, they've got a list. Like, that's one side. And then there are others who their list is much shorter. For that person, they are looking for a believer that they have a lot in common with. And it doesn't mean that one person has standards and another person does not. It's just some people, they really, really have specifics and other people, they, they're open to a surprise. And by the way, 
I had a little bit of a surprise myself when it came to getting married. I, I, and by the way, I asked Bree about this and she was okay with me sharing. So um, prior to getting married, if somebody would have asked me, Paul, tell me the type of person you're going to marry. My thought was I was going to marry a quiet, <laughs> calm, Christian girl from the South. And God was like, I got you a Christian girl and a surprise. And she's not a quiet surprise. You will hear her before you see her. In fact, that's how I find her in Walmart all the time. Like, I'm in there and I hear laughter at a distance. I'm like, hmm, Bria's in here. That's how some of you all have found her as well. You know it's true. Okay, so there's three types of singles that I am addressing within this message this morning. That is, those who want to get married, and the sooner the better. And then I'm also going to address those who desire to get married, but they're not in a huge hurry, like two to three years, something like that. They're, they're enjoying single life right now. And then there's also another group, and that is those who, they're not opposed to marriage, they think it very well might be a part of their future, but it, it's so far out. Maybe they're in middle school or high school. They might even be 25 years old, and they're just saying it's at least another 7 to 10, 15 years out. Whatever that person might be, here's what I want to encourage you to do. The sooner you can start praying and processing these pieces, the better. doesn't matter which of those groups you're in. Start praying today and pray specifically. So what are the characteristics that you should be praying about? How specific should you be in your prayers? Uh, what happens if you've got a list of 26 things and somebody will check 19 of your 26 boxes? Do you say, well, close enough? Or do you wait for somebody to check all 26? And are there certain boxes that you want to really, really, really make sure are checked and others you're like, this is a really wonderful option? Like, how do you process those things? Are there biblical principles that you can pray through? Let's find out together. I invite you today to go with me first in prayer. I'm going to address the topic of praying for your future spouse. I've got a number of passages that I will be reading from. I just want to encourage you, write the passages off to the side in just a moment. But let's have a word of prayer. We will move forward from there. Heavenly Father, we ask today that you would allow there to be unbelievable clarity around this topic. Uh, Lord, for those who are currently single and desiring to marry in the future, God, give clarity. For those who are parents and grandparents, those who they are praying about the future sons-in-laws and daughter-in-laws, God, I pray that you would also give them clarity to know how to pray specifically. In Jesus' name, amen. So as best I can tell, and if you know of another passage, then please let me know after the service, but as best I can tell, there is not a passage of Scripture that says, when praying for your future spouse, pray this. Instead, we need to look at a number of passages that address key topics that are involved in the conversation. So we're going to look at a couple of passages that are specific to prayer, some that are about godly behavior, and then also some passages that are characteristics of a godly spouse. So if you would, like, write these passages off to the side. The first of those is going to be Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Philippians 4, 6, it simply says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We are to be anxious 
about nothing and we are to pray about everything. And the topic of praying for your future spouse absolutely fits under the banner of praying about everything. So this is also one of those areas where you could look at it and says, be anxious for nothing. There, there are many single people who become anxious and worried because they're thinking, who am I supposed to marry? And when am I going to meet this person? And how long do I have to wait? And will I recognize the person whenever they come? And their mind begins to get anxious and worried. And in those situations, what scripture says, be anxious for nothing, pray about everything. Another passage is James chapter 4, verse 2, and specifically the end of that. That is, you do not have because you do not ask. My question becomes, what are you specifically asking God for in prayer? As many of you know, I am a huge proponent of praying specifically. When our family was praying about whether God was calling us to leave Las Vegas and to come and to be a part of what God is doing right here at Sherwood. There were 27 specific prayer requests that we were processing through together as a family. I pray specifically over my family. I pray specifically for people within Sherwood. I pray specifically for needs at Sherwood. I pray specifically for ministries at Sherwood. I pray specifically for our city. I pray specifically for churches in our city. I pray specifically for our nation. I pray specifically for Israel as a nation. I pray specifically across the board. And one of the reasons I do that is because there's no greater way of being able to see God actively at work in this world than to pray specifically. If somebody prays and they just say something like this, God, would you bless my friend in this decision? Nothing wrong with the prayer, but it's so generalized. Sometimes you're, you're not sure of where God came in and what God did. But if you begin to pray and say, God, I'm asking you to give my friend wisdom from your word in this decision. God, would you surround them with people, some who will speak in and affirm the direction if it is of you, and others who would speak in and warn them if this is not of you. God, would you put a peace in their heart, give them a word from your word to hold on to, and align the circumstances so that they see when God starts doing those things, there is excitement that comes into your prayer life because you can see how beautifully specific God is in prayer. Many of you have heard the statement before. You get what you pay for. I heard that all the time growing up. Let me kind of give a variation of that. Oftentimes, you get what you pray for. Now, I'm not talking about health, wealth, and prosperity preaching. In fact, James chapter 4, verse 3, it very clearly talks about praying with selfish motives. I'm talking about the fact throughout Scripture and in our individual lives, we can see that God so many times is specific to answer specific prayers. Rachel prayed for a child. God gave her Joseph and Jacob, Genesis chapter 30. Samson asked God for supernatural strength. God answered that, Judges chapter 16. Joshua asked for the sun to stand still. So he could keep fighting the armies of God. And God answered him, Joshua chapter 10. Hannah begged God for a son. God blessed her with Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1. Elijah asked God to send fire from heaven. God answered that prayer, 1 Kings chapter 18. There are so many places in scripture where God answers specifically according to what somebody asked that is also in accordance with his will. 
Praying specifically does not guarantee that God will give you everything on your list. Sometimes, sometimes our prayers are short-sighted. Sometimes our prayers are selfish. Sometimes our prayers are even sinful. And in those moments, God not only has the right, but he has the wisdom and the authority to say no. And when he says no, that is exactly what we need and exactly what is in alignment with his will. But when you look at James chapter 4, verse 2, it is a wonderful reminder. You do not have because you do not ask. If we ask and God chooses to say no, that's okay. That's a part of his will. But if we don't ask, that's on our side of the equation. Now, here's another passage I want to bring up. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but what I do want to do is I want to bring out specific pieces that are found in that text related to God's desire for husbands and wives, roles within marriage, as well as his desire for interactions within marriage. If you're going to be praying about a future spouse, it is good to pray in alignment with what God says, this is what I want it to look like in marriage. So let's say, for example, it is a young lady and she's praying for a husband. Here's how you can pray specifically through that text. Pray that God will allow him to be the spiritual head of the home, that he will love you as Christ loves the church, that he's willing to sacrifice for your welfare, to give himself for your needs, that he would help sanctify you in the word. Pray about the fact that he will care about you reaching your full potential in Christ, that he will encourage you in righteousness and in holiness. Pray that he understands the importance of leaving father and mother in order to establish new healthy parameters for relationships. Pray that you all would join together so that two become one. Those are a couple of the specific things from Ephesians 5 that you could pray. But let me also put off to the side, throw in Titus chapter 2 in this with some passages that are specific to mature men and to young men. And all of a sudden, you now have another part of your prayer list that's getting filled out. You could also now begin to pray that he is temperate, that he is dignified, sensible, sound in faith, and in love, and in perseverance. Pray that he is a good example of good deeds, exhibiting purity of doctrine, that he's dignified, sound in speech, beyond reproach, and of great reputation. Now, that's just two passages that you could look at, and you're praying according to what the Bible is saying. These are qualifications or characteristics of a godly man, and at the same time, these are characteristics of a godly husband, and this is what God wants the interactions of the marriage relationship to look like. Pray in accordance with what the Word says. Now, let's talk for a moment about Ephesians 5 when it comes to women. Let's say, for example, you're a young man. You're praying that God is going to bring the lady into your life that you're going to marry. You can also pray Ephesians chapter 5 specifically over who that future spouse is going to be. Pray that she would be subject to you as her husband as unto the Lord. Pray that she sees you as the spiritual head of the home. Pray that she respects you as her husband. Pray that you too would come together as one flesh. If you also add in Titus chapter 2, 
that speaks specifically about mature women and also about young women. Your prayer list now expands. You can pray that she is reverent in behavior, not a malicious gossip, that she's not enslaved to much wine. She is teaching what is good. Pray that she loves you as well as your future children. Pray that she is sensible and pure, a worker at home, kind, being submitted to you as her husband. Every passage in the word of God that addresses godly behavior for a woman or a man, godly behavior for a husband or a wife, godly behavior for a mom or a dad now becomes wonderful passages to begin to list out in prayer and say, God, that's what I'm praying for when it comes to a future spouse. Here's the reason for that. If you are praying God's word over your future spouse, you are praying God's will over your future spouse. That's how you begin to determine what are wishes versus what is a part of the will of God in this. Now, that does not mean, does not mean, that everybody is going to be perfect. When you start praying through that list, sometimes you're looking out and you're like, I don't see anybody other than Jesus who actually fits everything that is on that list. And I get that, I really do. But let's say, for example, you're, you're in a dating relationship, a courting relationship, and you're looking out at this list and you're saying, God, this person is a, maybe in my mind a three or a four in this area. Like, is, is that a reason for us to stop right here? Here's what I want to say. It doesn't necessarily disqualify a person, but here it is. It helps you make a relational decision with your eyes wide open. It is the things you don't realize before you get married that often cause the most trouble when you're married. But when you walk in with eyes wide open, it helps you. So it helps you because you need to know, and it also helps them because they need to see. Man, last week was so much more exciting in here. Everybody's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This one, it's calm in here. That's okay. I preach one way or the other. I'm instant in season and out of season. See, here we go. Okay, so here's why this is so important. If that person recognizes need for growth in a particular area, that's part of the equation. That's a good part of the equation. But here's another part of that. They also need to be actively pursuing Jesus on their own without constantly being prodded in that direction. They need to be the ones seeking out deeper levels of accountability so that they can grow to maturity in Christ. That type of person is not content with immaturity. That type of person is not okay with living in unrighteousness. They are aware of a need. They are accountable to others, and they are taking the right steps for maturity in Christ. That's all positive. But listen, if they don't see a problem, that is the problem. You know what I'm talking about? If they're not concerned about their own growth, that's a case of spiritual immaturity. If that person is needing somebody else to keep prodding them along at every step and to keep answering the questions and keep doing it for them, listen, don't, don't take this the wrong, wrong way. That's a project. Okay. Okay. Let's be honest. We're all a project at some level. Okay. Nobody is perfect. Perfect. 
We're all a project at some level. But sometimes people are going in through dating and they think that things are cute with the other person. And they're like, oh, that's just cute. And sometimes they get into a relational DIY they don't even know about. And they're going to be working on that project nights and weekends for the rest of their life. Now, if you like a project, okay, not, not a problem. All I'm trying to say here is there's a difference between I'm going in eyes wide open. We've got us a little fixer-upper. We're going to focus on some things. And there's another one. You've got to strip it all the way down to the studs in the wall. You need to know what you're about to walk into. Okay, again, again, the issue is not the fact that we don't all have issues. That's not what I'm saying. My thing is when you're not asking the questions, when the person is not interested in their own growth in Christ, when you're the one having to say, you got to keep going, you got to keep reading, you got to keep praying, just know, oh, here's my grandfatherly advice. Here it is, here it is. Often in dating, you're seeing the best of them right now. Do not think that when you put a ring on it, that's going to suddenly change. There's a lot of people who thought this is nice now and one day down the road it's going to change. And it's not changed. Okay, you're seeing a lot of times the best right now. But here's another little indicator for you. Okay, the best indicator of future success is past performance. So if you're hearing the person say, I promise I'm going to start spending time with God. The best way you know whether or not they're going to spend time with God is based on what they've already done back here. It's not saying that somebody cannot start moving forward. The issue is if you're going in, you're saying, God, give me wisdom. The best indicator of future success, past performance. Now, that brings us to our key truth for this morning. When praying for a future spouse... Pray God's word before your wishes. Pray God's word before your wishes. Let God's word direct your prayers. Let scriptural principles about men and women, husbands and wives, dads and moms, let those pieces become the basis of your prayer for that other person. If those pieces are not in place... The other person may be beautiful to look at. They may be nice to be around. They may be successful in the eyes of the world. And you could still be miserable within that relationship. Now, let me also say, there is nothing wrong with praying wishes, desires, hopes at the same time. There's nothing wrong with saying, God, I pray my future husband is going to be handsome. I pray my future wife is going to be beautiful. Nothing wrong with that. You need to be attracted to your spouse. There's nothing wrong with saying, God, I pray he's taller than me, or I pray he's got a great personality, or I pray that he makes me laugh. Nothing wrong with those types of things. Nothing wrong with praying. God, I pray she thinks I'm funny. I, I pray that she loves the outdoors. I, I pray she can make more than salt soup. There's nothing wrong with praying those types of things. But personal desires need to be secondary to God's word. Many times, God brings a person into your life 
who has a lot of those qualities you're looking for, but they might not have all of those qualities. And sometimes I've had people come in, they sit down in my office and they'll begin to share. Like, I've been praying about this person. We've been dating for a while. It might be the one. They line up on all these things. Godly person, godly character, love this, love this. But then they'll say something like this, but they just don't get my sense of humor. That's not a deal breaker. I've been married for 27 years, and she's just now getting my sense of humor. And she'll tell me, she'll say, Paul, you're getting funnier as you get older. I'm like, no, I'm not. I've been funny the whole time. You're just getting my sense of humor. I've been throwing out pearls for decades right here. Listen, that's, that's the piece I'm saying. There are certain parts. Make sure the person is in alignment with the word of God. Those are things that have to be there. But then at the same time, you got other things. It's, it's wonderful if they're there, but they're not deal breakers, okay? So as you build out your prayer points, and by the way, again, I try to say this, it might be that you're single now, you're building this out for your life. Or it might be that you're a parent and you're praying for your children's future spouses or a grandparent praying for the, the grandkids, their future spouses, whatever it might be, here's some ways you begin to fill out that prayer chart. One of those is allow your personal circumstances to add specificity to your prayers. Okay, there may be things unique to you or to your life or to your family or to your story that now needs to be a part of your prayer time. Maybe your job causes you to travel a lot. And you're praying, God, I pray that there's somebody who understands that. Put it in with your prayers. Uh, maybe you've got health concerns in your life and you're praying that God would give you somebody who is understanding of those concerns. Maybe you struggle with anxiety or, or fear and you're saying, God, I need somebody who is fearless, somebody who is stable. Put those pieces in. Allow the personal parts, your circumstances, to add specificity to your prayers. The next is keep a prayer journal and record of what God is teaching you. Not only is it good to journal God's activity in your life, but at the same time, it's good to share these are the pieces that you're praying about one day with that future spouse. It's good to see God's hand in the story. It's good to see that it's God who is the one that is bringing you and this other person together. Keeping a prayer journal helps you to connect the pieces. Also, pray that God protects the person today who will become your spouse tomorrow. It may be two years from now, five years from now, or 20 years from now before you meet that future spouse. There can be a lot of life, a lot of temptation, a lot of major decisions that take place between now and that time. Pray that God protects their heart, gives them wisdom in relationships, keeps them pure and holy before him, protects them from the attacks of the enemy. Pray for those things today. The next one is pray that impatience or apathy does not leave you with regrets. Impatience to get married can cause you to rush decisions and to overlook warning signs. Apathy about getting married can cause you to do nothing because you think you've got all the time in the world. Both can bring about regrets in the end. And the next one is don't just pray these things for your future spouse practice these things as a future spouse. Craig Groeschel gave an incredible statement. 
You don't attract what you want. You attract what you are. The wise choices that you're making today may be somebody else's answer to prayer for their future spouse. And, and listen, oh, this is so good. If you've not made wise choices in the past, if you've not, and by the way, all of us have those types of pieces in our life. Different degrees, different things, but all of us have moments that we wish we could go back and change. But if you've got some of those that are coming into your mind right now, listen, if you've not made wise choices in the past, God can still redeem your story today. But it begins by surrendering your life, your decisions, and your relationships to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If you want it to be different tomorrow, it has to be different right now. Now, we've covered a lot in the last couple of weeks as far as praying biblically, practically for a future spouse, what do you look for, Bible passages, you name it. The same framework that I have provided today can also be used of parents and grandparents, uncles and aunts, those who are just concerned over the marriages of those that are closest to them. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Pray God's word before your wishes. Be fervent in your prayers. And here it is. Start early and keep on praying. Some of you already know this, but I have been praying for my future son-in-laws since before both of my girls were born. The moment I found out I had daughters on the way, I started praying accordingly for who their future spouse was going to be. Bree and I have prayed over our girls over the years that they would be the godly young women that God has made them to be. And somewhere down the road, somewhere down the road, that God would allow them to be godly wives and godly moms. Now listen, we're not rushing them out of our house towards marriage, but we're not going to be asleep at the wheel in prayer between now and then. The reason I bring that up is some people wait until their kids are engaged before they start praying over that future spouse. You cannot start too early in praying that God would line up exactly who he would have to be their future spouse, to becoming one, that they come together in a holy, beautiful marriage. Start praying now. Now, I know in a group of this size, there are people at all different spectrums. There are people right now who are married and they're like, my kids are so small, this, this is gonna go on the back burner, this is not a huge concern of mine right now. I, I would disagree, but I encourage you, pray about it. There are those who, they're single right now and they're saying, I'm praying that God would bring this person into my life that I'm supposed to be with. I'm praying he will do it sooner rather than later. I cannot encourage you enough, pray scripture over that future spouse. When you're praying scripture, you're seeing God's best and you're saying, God, I trust you, so that's what I want as well. Pray scripture. Might be, again, people who are saying, I've not done it right. I've got regrets. Just know, today's a day that you can stop and say, God, to the best of my ability, I repent and I place 
the relationships, my future, my life, my decisions, completely in your hands. God has a wonderful way of painting some of the most beautiful pictures on a canvas of utter darkness and despair. Trust him. I'm going to ask you if you would to pray with me. Heavenly Father, we ask today that you would give encouragement, God, to those who are seeking that future spouse. Give them encouragement of knowing that you, you have that person for them, that as they pray in alignment with your word, that they are praying in alignment with your will. God, I pray that you would give encouragement as far as on timelines, that there would be direction, practical steps that people are walking away with today. God, we also pray for those that they've been praying for a long time, and Lord, they, they're looking out and they're saying, I, I don't see anybody on the horizon, and they're getting discouraged in that. Lord, we pray today that you would be the one to bring those couples together, that the story is absolutely clear, that it is beautiful, that it is redemptive, and God will thank you for what you do in that. Lord, we ask today as we are finishing out this section today on singles that, God, you would just give us the perspective that you want us to have about how we can best help shepherd love and encourage people at every single station in life. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, Stand at this time. There are going to be some of our pastors and pastor's wives at the front. There's also going to be some of our counselors that are going to be along the front. It might be that you're just asking somebody to come pray with you. It might be that this morning you're saying, I need to be more fervent in prayer for my family and for my kids and for my grandkids. Maybe that's the piece that you're praying about today. Whatever it might be, would you allow the Spirit of God to lead you?